Everyone thinks they're the OGs. I know. Drake says he's taking a break from music. Good. To do what? Why? Who knows? I think Drake and Rihanna should have been together. I don't think he was good for her. Too much. Yeah. Remember Take Care, that song? Yeah. It's so good. Being like, he's here. And all that stuff. So I'm um, going to patch him in. <laughs> My <laughs> Hi. Uh oh. Unmute. Uh oh. Unmute. Not unmute anyone. Hi. How's it going? Listen, you need to give us some like warning. We were all like fixing our hair real fast before you entered. I know. I know. And Rihanna, Rihanna and Drake should have been together for sure. How long are you <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree to that. No shit. Thank God we weren't talking about him, guys. It's a good thing we stopped right anyway. before that. Hello. Hi, how's it going, man? I'm good. Yeah, I, I can't picture you. Anything but Farupai, like that's literally what I thought your name was uh, until I did a little bit more research and realized that wasn't your name. So yeah, yeah. it was. It's. I mean, I prefer it. So my dad used to go by the same name. So it's like yeah, family Tell lineage. Oh, yeah, the love is just so sweet. It is. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that story of why you chose Farupai as your alias? Yeah, I mean, I was in Waterloo. Canada and there were like 20 Bangalis there at that point. So I never thought the music would, you know, take a life of its own or anything. So for me, it was, I'm starting my music. And when I was a kid, I used to see my dad getting referred by Farupai. And uh, yeah, he was, he was my hero. He passed away when I was eight years old. So, you know, when that happens, when, when people die, you always hear, like the folk, the folklore version of every mm -hmm. story. Like, you know, there were 200 soldiers and your dad was there with a pocket knife and he killed all of them, you know? So I grew up listening to like the amazing things that my dad did. And I was like, okay, when I grow up, I want to be like this guy. But he was a musician, but he was more of a hobbyist. And uh, he was a lawyer, which I'm not. So when I started playing music, I was like, okay, this is my tribute to my dad. To carry on this name but uh it's it's surpassed all my expectations from sitting in that couch in waterloo with the ukulele and being like i know four chords so i'm gonna make my first song now it's, so that's the whole story of isa to farupai i guess that's I awesome so you didn't actually know how to play any instruments or any knowledge of music before that like when you're in waterloo walk us through this you didn't actually move to canada until much later yeah so i used to see my bands play in school when i was in dhaka and by dhaka i mean i went to scholastica and my friends in scholastica used to have a band and i used to see their vocalist come back home and during my shower, take the shower head and try to do like chaos, ID, on the street, <laughs> and feel, try to imagine the energy of playing to a crowd and all of that. So I went to Waterloo, or I moved to Waterloo when I was 18, which is a long time ago. 
And uh, at that point, my friends were like, yo, do you get the parish? So can you sing? I'm like, yeah, I can. I sang in the bathroom. I got a few years <laughs> of uh, music schooling under my belt. He's like, okay. well, like, when did you go to music school? He's like, when I was six. <laughs> when <did> you... <laughs> They're like, okay. We have a Bengali student association cultural mm-hmm. night. Aha, and it always starts to, there. It yeah. always starts there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you have to sing one song by Black and you have to sing mm-hmm. Shot in Love. I was like, sure. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Of all so, the songs? Yeah, because it. we were all 18 and we we're like, what's the most cultural song? Shot in Love. That's it. It is. Uh, <laughs> so that's where it started about 15 years ago. And uh, I picked up my first instrument in third year of university. I realized my friends are all going away, and that's going to be the death of my musical career. I was like, okay, time to time to pick up that $30 ukulele and uh, learn some cover songs and go from there. I love no. it. You learned that by yourself, like on YouTube, that kind of training? or Yeah, everyone wow. learns everything on YouTube now. So. It's true. It is yeah. true. So Scholastica. Sorry, go. Oh, go ahead, Maya. No, no, no. I was going to say, with your background being, when you were six, you went to what, Ghana school. It was Robinder yeah. Shonkis, right? Yeah, yeah. And you weren't a big fan? Oh, I used to hate it. I used to hate it. So my mom told me that I'm going to get you into a music school. So my parents had this stuff. And then they were like, we're going to put him in music school. And then they come to me. And like, I'm playing with my G.I. Joe, smashing them. <laughs> They're like, Oh, we're gonna. You wanna go to music school? Oh, they're like, oh, it's on the weekend. I was like, no, 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 I'm not going. <laughs> and they're like, no, no. Listen, they they teach you Bob Marley, and I was the oh, biggest no. Bob Marley fan as a kid. I got videos of when I was three singing like Buffalo Soldier, like you know. So I was, exactly, and I was like Bob Marley. Wow, you know. And they were like, okay, yeah. They put you into Shongit Babon and they teach Bob Marley. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. So I go in there and after a few days, I tell my mom, like, they're teaching all this Veda. <laughs> and there's this guy called Robindro and they're trying to teach me his songs. No. And my mom was like, no, this is what's going to happen. That's the truth. And you have to learn this. So, you know, when something's forced on you and at peak cricket or soccer time on the weekend, so like, 3 to 5 p.m. in Bangladesh mm. and everyone's playing cricket and you're being pulled into the music school, you, the you develop a hate towards it, a hatred. So I think when I was 12, I went to my mom. I'm like, okay, there's no dad anymore. And I'm, I'm the adult and I'm 12. I'm 4'9". <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost <laughs> your size. Nine. Yeah, and I don't want to go to music school anymore. So my mom's like, why? Like, there's 52 girls and I'm the only guy. And, and you can, little you can did you know, dude. Little, little did yeah. you know right? that's that the best it. position. Yeah, that I'm gonna write whole albums about women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that and, was the uh, same for me too, because I also went to music school. I think when I was five or six, Shuret Dhara also wrote in the Shungit, and I hated. it. <laughs> I had that debate with my parents. It was like either karate or music school. That was like karate, duh. This was like a no-brainer. But they put me in music school, and I hated it. Obviously, I never pursued it. I sing like a crow. <laughs> I had so a Ghana teacher yeah. come. She pratundi nashje. I'm Boshji. Second dinashje to harmonium bajhe. This whole saregama. 
third day, I was like, forget it. And she never came back. And now I regret it. Now I'm like, I'm not going to make Yeah. Um, but uh, what, so when, uh, do, so you were there till 18 or so. So I'm assuming you did like your O levels, A levels, all yeah. that stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. I started at two years and 10 months till 18. So um, wow. I've been Scholastica too, through and through. Scholastica was in. Danmundi when I used to live in Uttara and Scholastica was in Uttara when I used to live in Danmundi. So oh I always God. traveled across across the entirety of Dhaka to go from <laughs> home to Scholastica. Oh man. Uh, but That's no, I love my time there. What was your favorite part? The, the, my favorite part was soccer. And uh, second favorite part was uh, just bugging my teachers. I don't know. It's very close second. Like I, I would meet my teachers now and they'd be like, you were like the worst in music class. Like you could sing, but you were the worst. You torment me. Like, how did you become a musician? Like, wow. And I'd be like, Miss Apna Dua. And then they'd be so happy. <laughs> no, they never prayed for me. You know, they'd be like, oh, na, chop shumai dua kuri. That's such a good response to anyone that criticizes you. It's like, yeah, dua yeah, kurban. <laughs> You're a so big you soccer are, fan too, right? No, huge soccer fan. Like one yeah, half for, of my sides, one half of my rooms, like all uh, what do you call it? It's my own pictures and posters, self indulgence, and the other side's all like Manchester United. That's a tragic team to support right now. Uh oh. Uh, Need know, good defense. Maybe you know, switch out your goalkeeper. It's just a lot of things <laughs> happening, man. <laughs> Uh, that's a separate podcast altogether. <laughs> I'd, I'd bring a whole box of tissues for that one. <laughs> Wait, oh can we talk God. about your shirt for a minute? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm yes. enthralled. Okay. okay, this is this New York-based designer called Kit Super. He, I love his stuff, and yeah, he's he's very cool. He does art, and then he prints out his art in clothes, and sometimes he makes cool bags and jackets. So like I went through the whole like Gucci, YSL, Dolce and Gabbana, all that phase, and then I was like, it's too mainstream. I need to like Basic. go go more deep into this fashion world to uh, find my niche again. You know, I like it, and that comes yeah. through. I feel like it comes mm-hmm. through in your music and how you absolutely right your videos, the videos, all your music, your sound. Yeah, you can see the colors and be like, this guy's gonna be like bright and loud and extroverted. Is that you? And, uh, yeah, yeah. I feel the like. Most, are you extroverted? Very extroverted, yeah. But uh, I had to tone myself down since I got famous. Like, uh, oh, why? It's important. It's important. It's important. As you as you grow up, you realize that not always speaking the truth loudly is is it doesn't equate to lying. Just sometimes mm-hmm. not speaking the truth out loudly just doesn't hurt someone's sentiments. And uh, that's mm-hmm. so important in life. If if everyone, if every time I said something that wasn't the smartest thing or was didn't align with someone else's viewpoint, if they always put me down or said something snarky, I don't know, I'd, my life would be a lot more miserable. So I, I wouldn't want to compound to someone else's miseries either. Oh, that is a words. different level, different level yeah. of emotional maturity, I would say. <laughs> Easier said than done. I bet. Yeah. I bet. A lot of people have the other problem where they don't mm-hmm. don't say enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. That were you always cool. super fashion forward, like since you were young? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say yes, but the thing is, fashion has to come with a budget. Like, you know, broke broke fashion is a very new concept. You know, <laughs> I, I broke. Yeah, shout out to my friends at broke. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I would sift through like piles of piles of clothes at Bumble Bazaar to be like, oh, R.I.P. Man. Yeah, so R.I.P. But it's, it's things like that, or having to fight with my mom to wear a light pink shirt on my high school graduation, and things like that. I would say, with in the absence of my dad, my my uncles were a big influence for me, and a couple of my uncles are like one of my mamas and one of my kalus are really into fashion. And my kalu would go into Uniqlo. He came to Canada the other day, he came, uh, like a couple months ago, and he went to Uniqlo, and he was like, hey, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, <laughs> and I'm like. How do you have all of Uniqlo, like, you know? And then he has, like, three suit closets at home. So he teach me, like, single-breasted and double-breasted. Like, oh, in the summer, you should wear a linen jacket. And, like, when I was 13, I was like, oh. <laughs> when I grow up, I have to, like, take notes and remember these things. And then he'd be like, oh, why are you wearing a belt? You're wearing loafers. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I would say... Fashion has always been a part of my interest, but what how I define fashion has changed over time and will hopefully keep changing. I have a question regarding your fashion, though, because I feel like your style is kind of hovers between masculinity and like a very eclectic niche kind of, I, I guess, I don't know, would you call it a genre? Like, have you ever been bullied? for the way you dress or the way you put yourself out there or are you just kind of above it all do you just your confidence just kind of overtakes it all i have been bullied by my clothing but like by that time i've been bullied so much worse about so many things that it it was like the the low end it was like the p3 on that on that you know devops list <laughs> things to do <laughs> it was uh yeah but uh like i would walk into class one day at waterloo and one of my friends she's like oh did you wear your girlfriend's shirt to work to school today and uh small things like that but uh i don't know i just never cared i just i just always liked colors i felt like otherwise it's I don't know. I want to. I sometimes say that I want to be a walking piece of art. So. Yeah, I mean, you I are. That. <laughs> you are. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. If yeah. you were to walk and sing wearing that shirt, you would literally mm -hmm. be a walking piece of art of your yeah, art. music videos of my art. Yeah, so true. Tell us more about your well career. I mean, we we all we all think indulged in an interview we saw of yours of the dual life. So you mm -hmm. have a day job and you have your music job. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. So by, by the day, I'm like a typical Bengali engineer, but <laughs> I moved into data like early in my internships. So I've been in the data field for about 15 years now. So I uh, work as a data architect in between jobs right now, but I'll probably start working again in a couple of weeks if things go as they're supposed to go and yeah i feel like i like them both i've had five months off 
the data stuff for the first time in my life. And it wasn't as enjoyable. I feel like there was a part of my life that's missing. Mm. Uh, music was always uh, what I used to do to free my mind of all the data-related stuff. So even though the logistics and the planning and all of that became a big part of the music and the part that I don't necessarily enjoy as much, I feel like there's my brain still looks for like a bit of data and a bit of music every day in some way or another. So yeah, I, I lived that dual life and I, I tried to just do music for a bit and I realized that I need them both. Wow. Yeah. It's a good balance, huh? Yeah, it's a good balance. And it's also, it keeps me grounded. Like no one at work knows what I do. Like my, my boss has to yell at me, my boss can yell at me. I mean, not really yell at me, but if he has to say something snarky, he'll just say it, right? In the music scene, most people wouldn't. Like, mm -hmm. by, you know, such a Wait, huge so fan. People you work with don't know how famous you are? Yes and no. I would tell them a little bit, but not much, so that they, they don't feel like, they don't go like, oh, can story post what this is going to happen? Oh, okay. It's interesting. Fargba, you said this in something else, another interview. I think you were like, it's not about, you're not in the game to be famous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but like, it doesn't affect me that much. Numbers is not as important as quality to me. I mean, mm -hmm. every, every time I hit a million, it's, it's, it's like eat for sure. So I can't completely say that it's, it, it's like, it's a gray area for sure. But my definition of growth would probably be similar people that listen to my music in Bangladesh, hopefully. The same kind of people in India and Pakistan find it interesting. I think if I listen to Punjabi music, I understand 25% of it. If they listen to Bangla music, I think they'll get 20, 25% of it too. So mm -hmm. I feel like if fame comes in that direction, I'd completely embrace it and hug and cry. But like, uh, yeah, I, I, I like what I've built. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to grow more than what's organic. You know, I'm not looking for every household in Potuakali doing Faro Pai project. <laughs> not, I, I, at, least, at least not yet, you know? But how, is oh. your audience mostly in Bangladesh? Like, where are your listeners, if you have any data from? I think mostly Dhaka, Chittagong, a lot of our urban population. Mm. Uh, Dhaka, Chittagong, because now there's a lot of different urban populations, mm -hmm, like Kumila, mm -hmm. and all of that. But stats would say Dhaka, Chittagong, Kolkata, New York, Toronto, London. City. Minnesota. That's cool. Minnesota. Chicago. <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, I, I am actually, I'm actually writing a song called Gontobokota where I like shout out different city names. Yes. What does that mean? What, where's the destination? Oh. Can we talk about your command in Bangla? Because for a lot of folks that go to English medium schools, you know, everybody can speak Bangla, but it, there's a difference. And I am so impressed by the Bangla, especially in your songs. How do you know such good Bangla? I, I don't think my songs are, uh, have good Bangla at all for most people. I think there's a couple. 
I think I think I say it in a very simple manner. Maybe that's what deep, deep kata is very simple, simple words. You wouldn't find a, like for me, art cell is kotin bangla. Mm-hmm. That's yep. true. But uh, make doll. <laughs> I watch a lot of yeah, make doll and stuff. But I I watch a lot of uh, cricket news every day. So like. <laughs> You know, because I I follow the league cricket and stuff. I was on I was on Cricket Info once as a Bangladesh cricket expert. No. For like oh. a podcast. Wow. Really. A couple hours. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But like I've been following like the league cricket since like 2005 or something. Like I was like stats not so. Yeah, it's like we can take a shikhi to to Bangla, but we can take a shop shikhi, I guess. But it's I'm not. Scared to use English words here and there, just like right. I speak. And when I started, I think my biggest para uh, or my biggest roadblock was uh, getting out the mindset of writing like how Bangla Bangali lyrics are structured for by everyone else. Chue diye chhu amar monti ke, amar poroni re yagoban amar. I don't know what they mean, but like I'm throwing them out, and they would sound nice. So. Because I've listened to this my entire life, and I started writing the first version of what I write is very similar to what I've listened to now. Mm. So it's it took a lot of iteration to be able to get out of that and write a song like my first song. If I talk about it, like "Ato Shatte Chinta Kore Ki Hobe Hathe Tojbi Jomi Jama Balish Khana Okini Be Opare Gatti Be The Toma Ke Pyramid Paniye Ke Shobe." You know, it's like Very simple words, so but good. like you know, it's like, like a lot of angst about like you know personal things and just came out. But it took a lot to go from there to make that jump into like you know writing something that's sim- simple and intricate, intricate, and then going from there to um, as I was getting more and more into pop, uh, it was like reimagining how to write one all over again. I was. Mm. Trying to rap, or I do rap, but I found this middle ground in artists like Bad Bunny and Anderson Pack, where they would do something that's between rapping and singing. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I could do something like this. And one of my tracks, Kamina, is I think a good example of just that, where it's somewhere you would say I'm rapping, but it's completely like it's I'm also singing in key. So it's like trying to find words that fit certain genres and trying to write lyrics, tell loosely telling a story, but mostly enunciation focused. Like chikimiki shark pore part atoki shundar. So when I when I wrote that, there was like a loose story of like this, but there was also. Uh, Uh, an emphasis of like I'm gonna use the words chikimiki because it's two words that rhyme with each other and are used as a f- single phrase in Bangla. So it's like I'm starting the song off in a way where it's like a fun enunciation to sing as soon as you hear it, and then the tiki tiki agunjala emoneshwar came from like. There's a sense of familiarity with Diki Diki yep. Agunjole, but I'm not copying from them. Yeah. But if I put that thing, it's like a sense of familiarity with something you already know. Because Diki Diki also has that same enunciation thing, where it's two words that rhyme with each other that are put mm-hmm. together in a phrase. So yeah, I try to like 
reverse engineer my ideas and write in a way where it's more enunciation forward than I would say storytelling forward, mm-hmm. which was more of my style in which was my first album. We were just saying I see that for sure. Before you I think it was before you popped in. Who knows how long he's been listening? I know. (laughs) But we were saying how your music, at least I think, when I first heard it, you're like, it sounds so familiar, but it doesn't. It very clearly doesn't. And I think you just explained why. Because the words are so much of how we speak or what we're we've heard. Like we were just saying we love Miles and that is one of their most popular songs. So that I thought was very interesting. And I will say when I read Jean Ruth Tonic, it blew my mind. I was like, why didn't I think of that? That is so (laughs) clever. Mm -hmm. So the play on words that you use that I think are so cross-cultural is so unique because I haven't heard that in Bangla music as as often. I think, um, yeah, I think Fuad does a lot of it. But he still has like I think his his sound is obviously very different. But there's something about your music where I'm just like shit. I know I've heard that somewhere. So relatable. I want to hear it in like regular clubs, don't you? Like, yeah. yeah. I remember Bangladeshi when they would have those uh, I see they see that they would have those parties. And like, why aren't there Bangla music? There's no genre yeah. of Bangladeshi music that you can play at a club yeah. and just really you know let loose. Yeah. But Absolutely. then you know, Farbai comes along. Right. You know, it's a hugely underrated body of work is Fuad Bhai's previous work that was called Maya. <laughs> I was part of that record so, company. <laughs> oh, really? I, I think of it so many times. Like, there's, yes. there's yep. so many gems in there. Like, something yes. like, yes. like mm-hmm. I, I, I want to do like a drum and bass cover or something of that like or like a uk garage version of that or something like, that it'd be so cool. cool like that album is like so ahead of its time uh and you know if you if you talk about the kind of music which feels familiar but it also feels fresh at the same time like when i was younger and i came across the maya uh i don't know what to call it that body of work for maya by Fuad by like that was it for me. That was like my like Farukpai moment. Like damn, they're taking like a waz and then they're saying Dhanu Dhanu Pushpe Parad. Yes. Some other rapping. It's so cool. Yeah. Sorry, Bushra. I think you asked something. I got no. I was just. I, it's it's funny you mentioned that because gosh, that work is probably twenty five years old now. But Juan yeah. yeah. and I were like I was in college and he's always been incredibly talented. Um, and we you know talked about like we need to make an album. And so it was myself, Fuad, and another person. We started this record company called West Four Records. West Four Records. And literally went to our mama tata to get like financing for it. And shout out to Aladdin, like in Jackson Heights. I mean, just we went restaurant to restaurant from like bookstores to bookstores <laughs> to be like, will you finance? <laughs> yeah, Taka that like, you know, will you finance this Bangladeshi album? Um, and so Pasha Dollar like we collected money and that was really the birth of Fuad and Maya and all you know a revolution. This, yeah, and this mm-hmm. Maya did not exist. We didn't even know this Maya. Um Fuad named the album Maya. And yeah, it was just sort of the beginning of all that, and then it went to Maya too. And all of a sudden, Fuad blew up. He, you know, went to Dhaka. I mean, we used to literally sit in a Burger King and talk about 
how one day Fuad's going to become famous. <laughs> And then, you know, all these things happen. And so it's incredible to hear someone like you now talk about that album because we're like, who the hell is going to listen to this? A lot of people. Well, going to cry when he sees this. I'm just saying. It's crazy. Hey, you know, that's it's the same notion for me. I'm like, I'm this kid from Waterloo. Who the fuck? Who the hell is going to listen to my music? You know? Yeah. And uh, things just, if, if the music has legs and it's something different where you're not putting too much thought into who's going to listen to it. I think that's when some of the best work comes out. Uh, yeah. you know, and then of course, later on in life, when you can just call your favorite musicians and you have the budget to do things that's, uh, that's clever, another, yeah, another way of like, you know, fulfilling your creative dreams and making things work out. Yeah. Yeah. It's authentic. It's not like you're not trying also... to be something you're not. Right. Yeah. Right. And like having everybody kind of under that umbrella of the World Wide Web, I feel like it's brought people mm -hmm. so much closer together in terms of, you know, collaborating and just getting creative together. Yeah, the texture, uh, the texture of your voice is also super unique. You also don't yeah. hear kind of that tone and texture in Bangla music. Have you ever been like, has anyone been like, nah, it's a jolwena? Like, was there any kind of like roadblocks? From yeah, I mean, unique style. My my mom would be like, "Not not take on a gola." I guess that's that's where the that's where the depth comes from, and uh, I don't know. Is this a family show? I don't know. I feel cursing so much. We curse. Oh, and the rest is like you know, my my voice was more like this. My voice was more like this, and then all that cigarettes. And mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know, and now it's, it's like, like sandpaper now, huh? It's like it's like <laughs> sandpaper, exactly. But like, yeah, when I need that like high register, I'll bring it out. Like, I have a track called Amar Prio, and then that's oh. like Amar Prio. Yes. But like my, my actual voice would probably be like Amar Prio. <laughs> like the video Asa. for that song was so, so good. bomb. Yeah, that's my directorial debut. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah. So yeah. so wait. So that is your voice, or did you put synthesizer or whatever the heck it's no, called? No, that's my voice. That is yours. Voice. Okay. That's, that's like that's amazing how different. Um, yeah. Can be. Yeah. You know, I I realized from our singing days, or like trying to again hyper analyze everything. I realized the two main tones in my uh, anyone's voice is like the head voice and the ah, which is mm -hmm. the chest voice, and I can make any tone within that spectrum by mixing a different amount of low and high. So when I'm singing, if I mix it up, I can make it sound like this. Or if I mix the more of the low, I can make it sound like this. And then there's the whole spectrum in the middle based on the genre or what I'm going for. Like try to go up and down and be like, nah, e -line ta te. it needs a little more. Like I'm writing this song and I sang like, Gonto boko thai, cholona shekhane. And then I was like, no, the baluna is too masculine. I'd rather go like, baluna, cholona, shekhane. And then bring in the mids at the end, cholona, shekhane. So it's just different. I'm excited like, for the song. Lens of, but I've done it all my life, I guess. I'm glad that I can nerd out about it on a podcast. <laughs> no, it's so, I mean, but Marion, you're right. Like, I feel like you hear your sound, people know it's you. You know, oh, yeah. there's certain yeah. artists you just know they're like Shakira. Everybody knows her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it's so cool that you have that unique tone. 
Um, because when when I when whenever Maya sends me videos of like any of any of them dancing to my music uh, or like singing, and it's it's always so fulfilling. I, I show it to all my friends and like that that that's what their wife. <laughs> <laughs> what a flex! No, that's, that, it, it is a it is a flex. You know, I oh. I have a I have a screenshot on my phone of the first time I saw that a story says Tasan Khan and the circle was green because it was like close friends. I was like, oh, oh shit! Oh. Yeah. Oh. I was like, let me I was like, let me You're let me in. screenshot this moment and I keep it in my favorites. It's like I want to show my kids that. <laughs> I have a screenshot of the time when. I think I sent you a friend request and you sent me a friend request back. And I think I shared it too. I was like, oh, my mind is just like, I have so many high profile people on my Instagram, but this one was the most important of all. The That's power right. added me. <laughs> that was a big influence for a lot of us as kids when we get into Watson Brothers, find out about Arafat, go through his personal stuff and realize like there's such a treasure trove of Bangla subculture that exists yeah. outside our little English medium bubble. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, I guess I've, that's what made me fascinated since I was in my teens about all these different subcultures, whether it's uh, like Kumar Bishojit showing off his like plants in his chat in Matio Manush, or like, you know, the randomest people in like a how or singing like about it, their son not playing soccer. So it'd be like, <laughs> and it's like a, an entire village singing a song about this guy called Parvez, who in the house is called Harbicha, and uh, to, for him to stop playing soccer and focus oh, wow. on his family. So, you know, there's all these different subcultures and uh, yeah, I forgot about Watson me. Brothers. That was also revolutionary. Rangeda was like a movement. Yeah. yeah, that's right. a beautiful song. So how do you? I, I, mean, I have to send him some love too, because he's yeah. also he's like supported us from day one, and he is such a treasure. Like he's just full of just good stuff, and I think he's he was genius. also a part. He's he was a part of kind of the entire Bangladeshi music movement. Yeah, and he's mm -hmm. he's always been there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very few people know more than Arafat about. The history of Bangladeshi music, like he's a treasure mm -hmm. trove. Yes. So yeah. someone needs to get all that information out from him and yeah. it into a, Document it. a huge three-volume book or something. To get him really high. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you? I mean, you're basically you've been living in Waterloo or Canada for a long yeah. time now. Like, how do you balance the two lives? Right? Like, obviously, it's it's so clear to me that you're so rooted in Bangladeshi culture, Bangladesh, and now you're an immigrant living in Canada. Like, how do you, you know, how do you manage all that? Firstly, uh, some things always need to give. For me, when I was getting serious about music, I gave my cousin my PS3. There you go. <laughs> if, I, if I keep playing FIFA, wow. this is not going to happen. And the second thing is I don't, have too much of an interest in movies and tv shows so like if i if it's not based on real life i kind of get bored i, I can't do fiction mm -hmm. Me too. Like, you know so it has to be like 
something that gives me knowledge or else it's not worth it. So, you know, that frees up a lot of time and that time went into doing music or making music with my friends. So it wasn't too tough and it's still not that tough till times come up where I have to make a music video and I have to get all that logistics together because for most parts I, I work solo so mm. all the logistics all the marketing all the branding and getting the in, like in, getting artists involved getting illustrators involved and all of that so that's when it gets really hectic I have vacation days I'll take a couple of vacation days and uh, work through a lot of the stuff other than that you know Maya you would know too that the main money for artists comes from touring mm. so yeah. My vacation days, once every two years, I go to Italy for a couple of weeks because I, I love Italy. But other than that, it's mostly going back to Bangladesh mm. and using that time to play shows, generate income, bring that income back, reinvest all that income into the next body of work. It's like a circular process. The more I can generate, the better mm -hmm. quality my music videos can be and stuff like that. Do you have shows in Canada too? I might have my first one in November, first Ooh. one in four years, but uh, I've no, I've only focused on Dhaka for like a few years, and uh, I had a certain idea about how I want my shows to be in Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, Maya, the show you came to in Bar Cathedral, where Fuad Pai played with Chunno, like that's my idea of like the kind of shows I want to do in Toronto. Yeah. So I was waiting for the right branding, the right people. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you anticipate your audience? Or It can't be a mela. I can't imagine Fire by playing in a God, no. mela. No, exactly. With all the exactly. uncles going like this. No, please. <laughs> Wait, like Fobana or whatever you mean? Like yes. mela, like Fobana. Mm. Yeah, no, nope. let's not do that. I love to get on stage when everyone's hammered. So <laughs> by the time I get on stage, no inhibitions. Everyone just singing as loud as they can. Everyone's dancing and like, that should be the mela, you know? Yeah, it's a different mela. Yeah. 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 I went to watch uh, Anderson Pack once, and he what he started with is like this super high energy song. They took the mic and he said, you might, have, you might all have a lot of problems in your life, and there's, gonna be, there's probably going to be even more problems in your life somewhere down the line. All I want to make sure is that next hour that we're together is the, is the best time you've had in a long time. And like, mm -hmm. that's always, that's always the aim for live shows. So when I do my first show in Toronto, I hope like, you know, there's, everyone's having the best time out there. I love that. Sure it's going to be magical. I, so I've never talked to a celebrity in this format before for musicians. <laughs> but, okay, Maya's a celebrity. Yeah, what are you talking about? She's our in-house. No, but I mean about like... No, like, like an interview, like actually learning about them and their craft. And I have yeah. to say, like, your intention to your audience, I mean, of all of the Bangladesh, like, I kind of grew up on this stage of lots of people from Bangladesh, from India coming to perform. Yeah. The intention you have, at, at least from what I'm hearing from you, to, like, make your audience feel a certain way. Like, you care about the people mm -hmm. that listen to your music. I haven't seen that a ton in... Many, like, le like even, like, Sholil Jodhri, like, Shondamukhu, like, they're, like, legends from our past. From them, for sure. But since then, it's just, like, it's really hard. People are, like, how much money am I going to make? You know, like, I don't, it's very, it's very transactional. 
So I will say, like, it's inspiring to hear this from you. It's, it's thank you. And it's, it's good to be good at school. So all musicians that I talk to that are young, I just always tell them, like, you know, just be good at school. It gives you a lot more flexibility. Me being a full-time musician would mean that I would have to take the gig that I don't want to take because, you know, mm. my, my a hypothetical situation, like my children need to go to school or something and I need money. So I'd have to mm -hmm. do whatever I need to do. And it doesn't apply for everyone. It, it still applies for, you know, a lot of artists that are my stage, like, you mm -hmm. know, not, not really big shots, uh, still rising artists. So from a lot of our perspective, it's, it's like you have to curb your creativity a little bit at times or curb your creative endeavors to do something that's lucrative and i feel like you know just that work thing or having that work thing gives me the flexibility to say no to a few thousand dollars though it's a, it's a lot of money mm -hmm. but uh, this brand or this image or however i wanted to portray Farukai project like i put so many years into this that uh, i don't want to you know, lose sight of why I started this just because there's a lot more food on the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that, you know, your value because you talked a little mm -hmm. bit about like, I want my ticket price to be a certain mm -hmm. amount, right? Like a price mm -hmm. and because you know, your value. And I think a lot of artists coming up are just so hungry that they're like, all right, let's, let's drop the price. Let's get more people. And, and I love when you, talked about this in one of your interviews of, you know, you can go out and eat two burgers for a thousand takas, but you yeah. can't pay that much to come see an artist. Like yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's I really think awesome. promoters do a lot of that too. It's like, take a seat, take a big behind I free day though. Mm -hmm. Just so yep. people can kind of fill people the hall. Fill the room. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. not right either. Okay. But uh, a lot of artists also have to realize that you can't just raise the price of tickets and go to the same venue. Like, huh. you know, if you, if you look at Rolexes, if you, if you've ever tried to shop for Yeezys, the only reason for all this hype is because there's a lack of supply mm -hmm. and you can't just pull up prices and not restrict supply and expect, yeah. expect something to just to sell for higher, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So if I'd rather have a thousand tickets or have thousand target tickets, but also have, 300 people venue and 300 dms from people who are asking about tickets that Absolutely. that are sold out you know yeah. that's i think that's the kind of brand i want to create because i've spent a lot of time of, in my life just waiting for it to hit 11 so i can go to the supreme app for anyone else and like you know <laughs> and to get like the rick rubin supreme shirt that i want <laughs> before a bot can get it you know so that's that's that kind of fashion uh, business model, I think, yeah. can be carried over into music because at the end of the day, I control the supply. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see that. that, you know, when you were saying 11 a.m. In, in, I immediately thought of Ticketmaster, too, where it's like, hey, you know, pre-sale 11 a.m. And you're just yeah. like, literally, I'm on, in a meeting and I'm like, just refreshing. <laughs> like, I need to get in. And yeah. I think that can definitely happen with like the Bangladeshi music scene, too. Well, I think our audience is very, still very, the general population is still very much like, yeah. they're like, whatever, they're just so used to having like the same 10 people come to the, I'm saying exactly. like, those of us that are here, 
in the U.S. and Canada. It's just become like a commodity. So nobody even craves something, I feel like, different. Yeah. There's, um, have you guys heard of Jai Wolf? Mm-hmm. He's blowing up. And uh, and I, I think of him, like, he's definitely done it differently, right? Like, he's, I, I believe he's Bangladeshi. Um, and, and I just see the audience that he gets, which is actually more than just Bangladeshis now. He's really blowing yeah, up. Yeah, he's very mainstream. He's not. Yeah. I don't even think Bangladeshis are his rights. Yeah. Yeah. Him or Joy Crooks, I think they've been able to be agnostic of like Bangladeshi yes. fans. Yeah, like absolutely. Dual life really helps. I think the dual life that you do have, Farupai, I think that's what keeps you fresh and keeps everything, keeps everyone on their toes as well. Because everyone's looking for like the next single. We don't know when it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm working on six at the same time. Oh my god! None of, none of them are close to completion, but I'm changing my my music taste is also like that. Where like it, it shifts, it, it always shifts. Like I'm listening to a lot of house music right now, so I feel like if I'm not making house music, it's just like doing disservice to myself. So there's gonna be some pop stuff coming up because every everyone's got guilty pleasures but i'm excited to give you guys some like bangla house some yes, yes. booty some booty shaking house yes Ooh. you can ride your pelotons and listen to that yes <laughs> how do you know us so well <laughs> <laughs> we're like the most we're, 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 we're all upper middle class <laughs> or lower high class so oh if, if i were to describe you to a friend that has never heard of you before how should we how should i describe you to them uh you could probably describe my music i would say you can describe my business case for why i started making music and that would be a good way you know I, you would could probably say like you know how i'm remote ke banglagan shunle either art sell shuni ba ornuf shuni you know this is just the thing in the middle that we're looking for ah okay <laughs> I can see that. I can That's see, I can nice. See that I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, the one question I did have for you is, you know, in our podcast, we talk a lot about pressures we have as women in, in Bangladeshi culture. And we were talking about like, man, I, I feel like we're alienating our male listeners by always talking about how hard we have it in our culture or, or some of our challenges. What do you think? I mean, it's interesting, right? You chose you almost balanced your careers because you're like, you know what, my family wants me to be an engineer or, or that's typically the expectation in our culture is engineer, ho, doctor, ho. And yeah. then you were like, on the side, I'm going to do this music. But then you're also sort of like you said, like you grew up really fast because your father passed away and, and you took more of a, a sort of like a leader role in your family. Like what are, how, what were some of the pressures for you growing up as a boy in like a Bangladeshi culture? Uh, for me, a lot of the pressures of growing up as a boy in Bangladeshi culture, and I can just speak of my own experience, probably, again, leads back to what you guys always speak about, which is the marginalization of women. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my struggles at home are because of the lack of male figure and mm-hmm. the lack of people giving the same importance in, in a lack of a better term, to a female figure at that era, I don't know about now, to a woman. Like a scholastic teacher who was a man would be making 40 grand and my mom was a scholastic teacher and a woman making 20 grand. So 
And I would be like, why is it this way to my mom when I was mm. 10 or 11? Because it didn't make any sense to me. And she's like, oh, you know, but the both teaching the same thing. It's not like the classes syllabus have to, you know. So a lot of my financial struggles as a kid, or like you know, growing up as the poorest kid in Scholastica, still pretty fucking rich now that I think of it. But as <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I, as a kid, it takes a toll on you that like yeah. you know, I park my car a kilometer away from school and then walk in. I'd rather not have a car than show up in that kidnapper van. So. <laughs> It's like they kidnap me and they bring me back to school every morning. <laughs> so my challenges were with that. My challenges have always been with weight. Like I'd be bullied. Like, uh, like, yeah. If I've been, if I was a woman, I'd be very well endowed. I'm like, I've, I've, I've always, always called like Baywatch in my games class because I was a fat what? kid. <laughs> really wow i would have yeah. never guessed no yeah uh, puberty like late puberty was like just grew four yeah. inches and everything was like six inches <laughs> in a year or something wow. all that body fat went away the voice got deep and i was like holy shit <laughs> it was there the whole I'm time a, I'm, I'm a cool. butterfly <laughs> You're a butterfly oh <laughs> no but uh my my struggles were image related or finance related i think the way my mom raised us is that find humor and everything mm -hmm. so my, my mom would always crack jokes about you know things that were going bad it's i think of it she's never watched like curb your enthusiasm or something but yeah. she's, she's very much like a larry david kind of humor person <laughs> and uh and yeah it's uh we didn't really take too much stress growing up. Like that's how our mom raised us. It's like day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. In the kind of problem might have felt good. What did your mom teach in Scholastica? Play group. Oh so, wow. Yeah. Her whole oh. life. So oh, my, gosh. my mom was a play group teacher too, but in um oh, yeah. on Monday tutorial. Oh nice. Yep, yep. She taught it's, it's like the hardest group of kids too. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was a teacher assistant, like when I was 16 for the summer. <laughs> exactly. It's a really hard, hard class. But Do you yeah. have other brothers and sisters? I have a younger sister. She's four years younger. My friends call her Farouk Bon. Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's so good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. She, she's a go-getter. She's not a, uh, she's musically talented. Like sometimes she'd do these vocal runs. Like, like she learned that. She's like, you have no memory of me going to music school? I was like, no. <laughs> she's like, makes sense. You're always like too aloof. But uh, uh, no, she's, she's, she's really funny. She lives right across the road from me. And, oh, wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, super hilarious. And works at Deloitte, go-getter, chief nice. of staff wow. at 30. Mushroom. Wow. Yeah. Good. Yeah. She's like, we're, we're very proud of her. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And did you play cricket in when you were in school? Like, what sports did you play? Soccer. Mm. So I was like, a, I tried to play cricket. Like, I'm big in cricket. Big in, I'm really into cricket, but like, I have no hand-eye coordination. Mm. So, like, I went to a golf driving range the other day, and I swear to God, I hit the golf ball twenty times, and nineteen times I hit the little thing on which the golf ball's placed, and I just couldn't 
see the golf ball and whack it. It was like some kind of what do you call it, dyslexia. I do the like, same. Thing. It's very difficult. Like I've done it's, top golf, and yeah, it's it's hard. It is um, hard. It's harder it's, than it seems. Yeah, like cricket, similar. I'm like gonna see the ball and whack it, and I can never. Mm-hmm. Get it. <laughs> the ball is here. You're yeah, very... like ball faster. Favorite place in the world is probably yeah. It used to be Rome. But I fell in love with Palermo this time. Mm. Oh, yes. yeah. 10% of the population is Bengali. And I had like the best interaction with these people. And uh, the historic city center is also Banglapara. So you How see the that? oldest cathedral in Palermo, and right next to them is a guy selling somucha and singara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I, then I had like Rui Mach, Bhetki Mach, Lal Shak wow. sitting in Palermo. In the historic center, you know, yep. this place is amazing. It's That's it's crazy. crazy. A lot of people don't realize it, but Italy has a huge Bangladeshi population. I think like the highest outside of the highest outside of Bangladesh, at least by like percentage of population. Yep. Yeah. All these. Yeah. They yeah, farm there, like Amader Shak Shobji. You get yeah. the lamba lamba lebu. I didn't get that anywhere until I got to Milan, and I was like, "What is this?" Because they farm it all there. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. I went to the farmer's market and they're like, I'm going to touch Kuri Bhai. And I was like, what? Yes. Wow. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that and, happened and in You can Rome. never get lost in Italy because exactly. there's always a Bangali. You just be like, Aji Bhai. Bye. Bye. Like, Bye. One guy was yes. like, Apni Bangali. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Apna district koi. Yes. And my wife's like, What's he asking you? I'm like, he asked me which province I'm from. And she's like, that's such a broad question. What's he going to do with that knowledge? <laughs> I have no idea. No, no, no. no. He, he was like, apna, apna, apna division. Division. Wow. I wouldn't like, even know how to answer that. It's, it's, like, yeah. it's like, which state are you from? Instead of which city are you from? Because usually it's apna barikoi. That's like the second yeah, question yeah, yeah. any Bangladeshi, anyone in the world will ask you is like, barikoi. We got a lot of like Shotti Bangladesh, Ami Bhapsi Kolkata. Like a lot because no, because I think Bangladeshi go there and they don't talk to them. Like Amra Gege Kotha Bultamudesh. We'd talk to yeah. them, we'd want to know where they're from, what they're doing. Exactly. We went to their house, they would come to our house sometimes. Like it was a whole different experience because they are also another unique subculture of Bangladeshis. The way yeah, it is fascinating. <laughs> and how they get there. It's a yeah. whole other episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have like different subclasses too. Like one guy was like, bye bye, I'm going to buy migrant by Venna. Like I don't know where it's like I'm going to buy agriculture But they're all working together. But like, yes. you know, it's oh like Shobar yes. different stories and one guy yeah. was like my Bosch and Golpaguri and then after a couple of years it's like Shore Manus Toshalimuni Pareira is smart and Blashlo the Kramer pull up and raise smart. Shore Kikali restaurant to Kali smart project. Wow. So at one point, I was like, "Bhai, apni er kum panish, yato bench, apna to khop kano, shop type er manush to shop kane aste." But koi na, amar ta girlfriend asilo, bhai, amar side a diste karon amiu, because amiu shore na toy amish parta. Tarpor he was telling his whole story. He's like, "Bhai, apni jodi amar balish ta sab sisipa diten, ek gilash pani bari to bhai, amun kanda kansi." Oh, what an emotion! And like I, I'm on my last night Bangladesh. in Palermo, and I was like, "Hi, Jai." He said, "Nah, bhai, thakin, thakin, bhai, moja lagta se." Yeah. He like held my hand. He was telling me like, "Bhai, shakta boi kya bolis sila? Moe mara jamu. Par hospital loye kese? Par doctor kuchse chatta ajo mo se? Tinta ajo mo hai nahi?" I was like, "Nah, le moje jai to." 
struggling but they're like no 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 i was feeling bad because when i went to tower mina this place in sicily it was 42 degrees and this guy was selling sunglasses and i just had like 10 euros in my pocket i just like gave it to him because it's like bangali guy and like i get really emotional when i go there i'm like i was just a rich guy spark and that's why i'm here as a tourist and you're just a poor guy spark so he just like works twice as hard but he's catering to me and like that really like fucks yeah. with my brain when i go there so like i gave some guy 10 bucks the next day i was passing by and he wouldn't let me pass by and, and not only me and my wife passed by without having like ice cream Mm. and he just like got us pistachio ice cream and he's like hi ama jotto kase amar onek ase bhai apni amar jotto korchen ami apnar jotto korte chaichi that is so true of bangladeshis i am yeah. going to cry okay yeah it's okay, insane like you know like the most heartwarming hard working people it's mm-hmm. true that that i've ever seen in like canada and in japanese people too but the emotion like but uh yeah <laughs> uh yeah. being in canada being in north america you see a lot of different like types of people but i think in yeah. bangladesh there's a certain amount of like norom yeah or uh-huh. moron a lot of sharing a lot of caring a lot of maya <laughs> it is and work can talk forever with you but clearly we don't have forever he hasn't said that about us though <laughs> i know I, it doesn't matter <laughs> I am I'm having a good time. I would have I could have come up with a million excuses to get out of there if I wanted. <laughs> oh my god.